Welcome to Fintech Direct, where we provide you the knowledge and expertise to give you the edge over your competition in the payments and fintech industries. I'm your host, Jordan Olivas, and today I have with me Todd from Ventinex, the CRO of Ventinex. Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jordan. Glad to be here. Right. So before we get into it, uh, tell me a bit about yourself and a bit about, a bit about Ventinex. Well, first of all, it's Ventanex. Ventanex. <laughs> <laughs> and very few people pronounce it right at all. <laughs> so that's a badge of honor. Me first, you know, I guess I would call myself a payments geek. Been in the business for quite a while, longer than I care to articulate here. <laughs> Love payments, got into it. We were, I was with a large system integrator. We were building databases for Chase Manhattan on a long-term project. And the vast majority of the time we spent at Chase was around how to get people to use and adopt the debit card. And when I started to dig into the economics of that product, and this is well before Durban, it was it was staggering. These people made a tremendous amount of money off their debit cards. And it was it was about the interchange and the transactional fees. So I found that to be a very interesting part of the financial services business. That's how I got into it. I've been on the bank side, the non-bank side both issuing and acquiring throughout my career. And today I am, as Jordan said, the Chief Revenue Officer at Ventanix, which is a uh, bill pay company. Being in the bill pay space, which is obviously a space I'm very familiar with, how large is your company currently? Um, Currently we have 25 employees. Excellent. And quite a few large accounts from my understanding. And I think that's a good segue to how are you competing with maybe some of these larger players in the field? I mean, obviously being smaller gives you a lot of flexibility, which is great, but what is driving you to really close some of these larger accounts? Yeah, I think what makes us different is a few things, and one is to understand a little bit about what we do. We we are a full service payments and messaging company, so we think messages are an important part of bill pays, so anytime you have a, whether it be an inbound payment but we also provide outbound payment services, so that's accounts payable. There's some sort of remittance advice every time. So if you're a consumer, you're going to receive a, an invoice or a statement. If you're a um, sending out a payment, you need to send information about what, you, what you're paying. So we have integrated that into a single platform. So although we only have you know roughly 25 employees, we've leveraged technology um, extremely well within our organization. So that's, that's first of all, what makes us different. We're, we've got a, a full spectrum of services. Secondly, I would say, and um, is our, what we call our smart processing, and without being too trendy around AI <laughs> and around some of the more advanced terms that everybody seems to be throwing around. What we've been doing since the very beginning, because we've tackled some of the harder verticals within uh, payments, in particular consumer finance, is that we have the ability to make payment decisions and also create actions, whether that's a message or, or a transaction, based upon any sort of data or status or customer or account. I, I love that term you just used, payment decision. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah. So when we talk about taking a payment or sending a payment, we make a deci- you, know, you need to make a decision based upon more than just, do I want to take any amount of money at any time in any place? That's what we call commoditized payment processing. Where what we've done is we've said, hey, in certain situations, I may want to take a payment. I may not want to take a payment. I may want to take a partial payment or no payment or apply a payment in a different way. So you've got both the acceptance of the payment and then you have the ability to apply it. And we, and there's complexity on both sides. And what we do is we take a number of data elements 
difference and then determine what is the best way to process that payment. There's also, when you talk about intelligence, is how we want to route that payment. So we find that as important as well. So whether that payment needs to be go out on a card network or on an ACH network, wire or check, it's all, we are agnostic. So it really helps the organizations you work with to reduce their overhead because they don't have to make those payment decisions themselves. You have a platform that allows them to set business rules and have some sort of analytics out there that allows them to say, hey, you know, based on these previous issues, I actually want to adjust my business rules accordingly. Is that a pretty good summation? Yeah, exactly. And what it, at the end of the day, a payment that works does not cost a whole lot. What we found is, is that for large organizations, the cost of, of acceptance is in the exception processing. It's in those payments that don't work. It's in those payments that don't get applied on a straight through basis. And so what we do is we significantly cut down on those exceptions, which creates less work for their people, creates a better customer experience, and ultimately lowers their overall costs. Being that you're currently in the bill pay space, and, and you have, a, I think, a much different background than maybe a lot of people in this space have, what do you see happening over in the over the next five to ten years? I and mean, what's the next evolution within this space? What do you see that's maybe a big blockade Anything along those lines coming up in the bill pay space? So on the so we can kind of bifurcate it into because we do both, but we 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 both accept payments and we Mm -hmm. and we also pay people on the inbound side. I think one of the conclusions that I think the markets come to is that the biller direct model really has won out. That the the growth in the bank initiated bill Mm -hmm. pay. So there's two. We look at it in two. Forms. There's the bank-initiated bill pays, which is dominated by a couple, a handful of companies. Yep. And then you've got the biller direct model where people will actually go to their biller's site and pay. And the biller direct model seems to be the preponderance of payments today and continues to grow, whereas the bill pay market, from what we understand and what we've seen in statistics, has, has sort of flattened out in terms of people using their bank to pay bills. Because you come from the issuing side, and as you just mentioned, that really the bank side of you know paying your bills, which I personally I've never actually done, yeah. but it is decreasing. Do you see, because obviously there's a loss of revenue for the banks and there's a loss of customer loyalty for all intents and purposes, do you see the banks doing anything about that? Or do you see them maybe creating some sort of way to attract those customers back or maybe buying out uh, companies maybe like yours to get the company, get those organizations or get those people back onto their website? And how do you see that changing on the issuing side? Yeah, so one is I think there's an opportunity. So we see a tremendous amount of momentum behind people using their debit cards or some sort of card, which which again includes the issuing institution in the transaction, and they generate revenue, obviously, from those mm-hmm. transactions. So we we are big proponents of accepting cards, and particularly um, as the younger generations flow through, I mean, most people don't even ever have a checking account. Very true. And we, we've also been involved with the associations. They're not associations anymore, but Visa and MasterCard are they're very aggressive in terms of in making you know, creating incentives for bill pay transactions. The other thing I'll say is that I think there's room for new bill pay companies on the bank side. We think that huh. with the sort of the technology with APIs, we talk, mm. people talk about open banking, that the traditional exchanges that facilitated the bill pay transactions between a bank and a biller, we think there's ways to go direct. We think there's ways to you know circumvent those traditional networks generate revenue for the financial institutions 
and create a more of a straight through process. So you talk about open banking and you look at maybe some of the other countries like like India. You know, there's a lot of account to account or P2P transactions to where you're using one intermediary source to manage the transaction, but really it's happening between those two accounts and it's making some of the card networks kind of furious because they're losing out on a lot of revenue. And then you also look in Europe where PSD2 was just launched, I believe it was on this last Saturday, where banks are having to expose their technology via APIs to allow fintechs and other organizations to leverage their services. Obviously here in the US, I think it's going to come eventually, but I think there's a lot of friction that's going to occur and it's going to be pushed from the card networks and everyone else to stop that. Because if you do an account to an account transaction, your revenue, because there is no risk, right? Why do you have interchange? You have interchange because there's risk and you get interchange to support that risk. So if we start moving to more of an account to account transaction, just hypothetically, if that happens, what do you think the card networks or maybe some of the other people who make money on interchange are going to do in that case to make up for that revenue? I mean, number one is risk is a component of interchange. I would contend that there's other qualities around the type of transaction that would necessitate a fee, whether it's good funds, whether it's immediate, all sorts of other criteria. From my perspective, the brands are, are right now actively playing in the P2P marketplace in the United States. Sure. So, Zelle, Zelle, I guess, is an example of that. Zelle leverages Visa and MasterCard <coughs> to mm-hmm. push payments to those institutions, which I believe there's only about 20-some-odd Yeah, I think, I, think actually, the t- I think the total is going to be somewhere around 45 by the end, which still is minimal. I mean, it's it's a large portion of the population, but... Right, yeah. it's, but it's not... Um, there's still a tremendous amount of the last mile where yep. they need to get. So Absolutely. those financial, so, the, so, so Visa, MasterCard, the brands are, are playing a role in that. I mean, they, they aren't standing still. So um, I am a big proponent of push payments. I think push payments is another area where bill pay will change, where billers will give you the ability to push a payment to them. Mm-hmm. Again, it's got to be accompanied by some sort of remittance advice. Yep. Yep. But I think, yes, that interchange inevitably has the opportunity to decrease. And I don't know how you get around <laughs> that, but I can say that there are, it's not going to go away. Sure. I and, think there's a know, fallacy about free transactions. There, and there's there's always a cost somewhere, yeah. right? I mean, even if you look at India and you look at the UPI platform, ultimately there's a cost of infrastructure, there's a cost of maintenance, there's a cost of customer service because someone sent the wrong wrong transaction they can't figure out how to use the basic controls so there's a cost and there's a revenue to be made somewhere and i think someone just has to figure out what that is now i know a topic that i love having with you and we had a great conversation with a bunch of us in the room uh, about blockchain and cryptocurrency and i'd love to touch on that topic how do you see then we'll separate the two topics out blockchain and cryptocurrencies but blockchain specifically how do you see that playing a role i mean ultimately it's just a different type of database, right? It's about reauthenticating a certain transaction, whether it be payments or non-payments. Do you see that playing into bill payments or payments at all over the next few years? I definitely think there are opportunities within payments for blockchain separate from the cryptocurrency piece. I don't believe that it's a universal application. Sure. I don't think that it's going to displace <clears throat> the infrastructure that's been set up either via the ACH or or Visa or MasterCard, it always comes back to what we discussed with some sort of central authority. And when you lack that, there are some efficiencies that are lost. Yep. And so I don't necessarily see a lot of um, widespread 
use for the blockchain. Um, and, and, and I go back to like when we've talked about um, contactless payments or mobile payments, um, the reality was is that swiping a card is not very difficult. It's pretty <laughs> efficient. People got used to it. Yes. And so I think the biggest hurdle in terms of adopting mobile payments has been that it, it takes a little bit longer. I'm fumbling around with my phone. If I have an experience where it takes me more than a few seconds and somebody's behind me, I'm, I'm, I'm likely just going to swipe my card or insert it. Same, I mean, I, and I, I'm looking at the same thing with some of the blockchain applications around payments. Are we sort of, you know, a solution chasing a problem? Absolutely. And I think, I think Ripple's done a really good job of, uh, I remember when we were talking, when I was talking to a gentleman at Ripple, he would say, you have, you have three options within blockchain. You know, it can be open, it can be secured, it can be fast. You can't really have all three, right. at least not yet, maybe 10, 15 years down the line. And what they've done is they've made it secure and fast. So they are leveraging, it's almost like a closed loop blockchain, which is great. You know, you have 150 nodes, power consumption's down, you have the security and the trust factor mm -hmm. with those banks, but it still leverages the blockchain because you're re-authenticating through trusted sources. So I think they've done a really good job of being able to do that, regardless of the giant cryptocurrency crash that happened over the past week. Yeah. Uh, but I, th I think it's an interesting solution. Going back to your company, what what plans do you have for 2018? Or is there anything you're focusing on? Anything you're on the lookout for? Uh, what, what's your big push over the next 12 months? I mean, I think it's a to stay consistent with who we are, which is providing valuable solutions for our clients. And I would say, from a product standpoint, where we have really focused, where we'll be rolling out some unique components, is around. Um, enhancing our ability to process those exception items that generally are resulting from paper items or from wires or for things that again are, are highly unautomated we're, we're ingesting you know more and more sources of data to automate that for our clients and the second thing is as we've been payments guys we've started to move really into what is creating a better customer experience I mean at, at the end of the day we can we can process the transaction. We do it beautifully, but you have to create tools that that create great borrower experiences or customer experiences because that's who we work with, our clients, and, yep. and we have a direct interface. So I would say that you know we've we've launched a mobile application last year, and we're going to continue to focus on how we interface with our clients on a mobile on a mobile basis. Great. So as we come to the end of our show, is there anything else you'd like to touch on? And you know, finally, how can people get a hold of you? What's the best way to learn about your company? Our company, although hard to pronounce, is Ventanex. <laughs> it's V-E-N-T-A-N-E-X, and it's Ventanex.com. Surprisingly, it wasn't taken. <laughs> Go figure, out. right? <laughs> we've, we've actually been around for since 2000, so at the, at the advent, the scramble. That's our website. My email address, if you, we can share that on this Absolutely. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. And, that and, way. and my contact information and to hear any feedback or any interest. Great. Todd, once again, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, as I mentioned, I will put his information in the show notes. Please be sure to follow us and get FinTech Direct wherever you get your podcast from. Todd, thanks for, thanks for joining the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.